So I'm a cancer. That is a weird and unfortunate thing to have to say, but it is true. I was born on the 10th of July, which makes me a cancer, or for those of us who can't you know, say it, a moon child, they call us. It's a weird kind of a sign. Are there others of you who are cancers here? Mm-hmm, probably, yes. Others who are water signs? Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, this cancer is symbolized by the crab, and, uh, and so it is said that we carry our homes on our back and go at everything sideways. And I, I think that's probably true of me, at least. And, uh, and water signs, you know, we flow like the Tao. It's no wonder that the Tao is attractive to me. I was raised in the Southern Baptist tradition, like many of you, uh, high church in my family was, were the Methodists uh, that we knew who actually would get up and say things they had, we had no idea why or when that did not appear to be in the order of service, but they knew when to get up and say them. It was very, very high church when I was, when I was young. And I abandoned uh, religion when I took my first philosophy class in college in which they proved to me that I do not exist and cannot prove my existence and I've never really come back from that, so. <laughs> and like most people, I had some hard times, and, and uh, I, uh, I sublimated them in a lot of work and a lot of, uh, well, you know, it was, it was the 80s and the 90s, so a lot of drugs, a lot of liquor, a lot of buying things. Uh, here in Shreveport, we've always been at the, at the mercy of the oil and gas industry for our finances. Some of you know that. And so we would have these booms, and everything would be quite lovely, and then we would have these busts, and we would go back to our Louisiana heritage, which is to eat rice and beans and uh, celebrate in our poverty and wear plastic beads and call them jewels and all of those things that we do in Louisiana so easily. And so there was a time in my life in which I came to Unitarian Universalism. I used to teach speech out at LSU. I remember so well that when I first started attending this church, someone asked me at coffee hour what I did. I said, well, I write for the newspaper and I uh, teach speech. And uh, they said, oh, you can lead worship services. <laughs> and, uh, and also I had a small art gallery. And so I was doing all these th things at one time. And you can kind of imagine the amount of cocaine it took to do those things. <laughs> and uh, I... Um, I was bored. I was bored out of my mind, and I was in therapy, which was a popular thing to do back then, and, uh, and my therapist was a lovely Jewish man who said to me, why don't you go over to that Unitarian church? They're always doing something interesting over there. And so, um, because I would go to the newspaper on Sundays, I would uh, sometimes, uh, I had time, and back then we used to have a forum uh, and then worship service, and it was a holdover from back when we 
did not have ministers and, and we did mostly secular things. And so we might be studying, oh, I don't know, uh, irrigation ditches or something uh, at nine. But uh, sometimes it was wonderful, very interesting things, social justice in people's lives and the, the social justice uh, organizations that were important to them. So I started coming at the forum, not at the worship service. And one Sunday, Hank Stower, of blessed memory, uh, said to me, I've seen you here many times. Why don't you stay for the worship service? Well, I had no good reason not to, except for that I had kind of stopped all of that. Uh, so I did. I stayed for the worship service. And for the first two or three Sundays that I attended the worship service, I have to tell you that I was in tears, absolutely in tears, because... Here was a place that I did not know existed. Here was a place I could take my little Baptist singing heart, and I could take all of my confusion from philosophy class, and I could take my interest in the Tao, which had really come to try to say something to me. I could really tell it was. I can't tell you how old my Witterbiner translation of the Tao is. But it, I've bought many more, but I still have the original with a, with a rubber band wrapped around it. Witterbiner was a universalist, so it was a, a strange serendipity that I found his church as well. So I started going to worship. I started preaching. We were between ministers at that time. And uh, leading services at all the little churches around Tyler and Longview and all of those and out to Amarillo and one thing and another. And um, I decided that perhaps I felt called to the ministry. Uh, this was news to me because I am from five generations of ministers on my father's side. I'm in the third generation in America. Uh, but all the others are Southern Baptist, and so you know all the others are men, right? And so this was not something which I was familiar, but the first two Unitarian Universalist ministers I saw were, uh, were Marty Griffith, also of blessed memory, and Mary Catherine Morn, who came here when they were going to SMU to Perkins, and they uh, did a student-led worship service, and I was just really impressed and I spoke to them and they told me about Perkins and I decided okay well then that's what I would do I would go to SMU to seminary and I would become a UU minister well um, it was one of those calling things in which I said are you out of your mind what makes you think that you are fit to be anybody's minister and uh, and what what is up with this? It just doesn't seem likely. So at that time, we had one of those busts, and I got laid off at LSU, and uh, I got laid off at the newspaper, and we closed our art gallery, and so I wasn't really doing much of anything. You know, I've had quite a career of, oh, I've sold ferns by the side of the road and handed out flyers and that sort of thing. So when I am particularly broke in my life, I go to New Orleans, <clears throat> because if we are accustomed to a low standard of living here, <laughs> one can get by with uh, much less in New Orleans, I find, particularly if you have an old college buddy who has an apartment like I did at that time, and 
you know, I would sell t-shirts in bars for bands in the evening and then spend that money the next day, and that was the way my economy ran for a while, and I had given up this idea of being a minister. I wasn't suited to the ministry. I was suited more to this hard, scrabble life of the streets and the bars. And Well, one of the principles of the Tao is that we can find the opposite of things in what we find. So it says things like wealth can bewilder and poverty can bless. And every once in a while, when you're dead broke, something really exciting happens to you. I think in our culture, a lot of times, that is exactly when someone sees you and posts it on the internet. Like, oh, I saw that broke person eating an actual meal in a restaurant. What the hell were they doing? But every once in a while, you get a blessing. And I got a blessing one weekend. My friend, Deborah, who was my roommate from college, who who I was staying with, and her friend, Anella, who I did not like at all, but who was part of the package deal. And, uh, and we had two male friends, and one of them had a boat. Now, a nice boat, uh, about as big as the wall there to, to the pulpit here. And uh, they wanted to go to Cat Island. You know Cat Island? It's off of Pas Christian, Mississippi. So... Very exciting prospect for the weekend. Wow, there was a cabin in Past Christian. We could spend the night and then sail out on Saturday and have a great weekend. It just sounded exciting. So we were all going. And on Friday night, I got in the car. I will call them Bert and Ernie to protect the guilty. But I got in the car with Bert, who actually owned the boat, and we were towing the boat behind his pickup truck, and Anella and... Uh, and Deborah were in the other vehicle with Ernie, and there had been a plane crash, you know? And what do people always say about plane crashes? They say, pilot error, right? This is what Bert said to me, and I got a very creepy feeling. Do not speak ill of the dead, I was thinking, and, you know, I just didn't like it. It seemed like bad karma to me. We passed a nice evening, we barbecued a lot of chicken, packed up a big cooler full of food, uh, got out in the boat, launched the boat, we were sailing away, it was a beautiful day in Pas Christiane. When you, however, if you know anything about, about approaching an island, when you approach an island, there is something that does not want you to get to your destination. There's kind of a current that that is sailing around the island, there's a change in the waves, there are things, and we hit something, and it's one of those things, just like the Tao says, that you can't see, but you know is there. And uh, things got very rough, and suddenly the boat started to tip over. Deborah was sitting on one side of the boat, and the other four of us were sitting on the other side. Now, this was probably not a good plan. It didn't occur to me, though, until our side started sort of to lay over, sailboat, you know, so big wind, and then all the people on that side, and just serendipity just started to toss us over. Deborah clung to the boat, however. She was clinging to this upside. Well, when the boat was on its side, there was hardly any use to clinging to the side. Sometimes you just have to give up and fall into the water, as the Taoist said to Confucius. Sometimes we just have to let go, even if we are also on the right side and uh, dry and fine. 
She fell into the water with us, the five of us. So we righted the boat. It was a pretty difficult thing to do, but there were five of us after all. And we were attempting to get back into the boat. Now Bert and Ernie got themselves back into the boat just fine. <clears throat> and they helped Anella get into the boat. And Deborah and I were there in the water. And we were swimming and we were trying to figure out why the boat was getting away from us. Well, it seems that... The anchor had been thrown out, but just as in a good Warner Brothers cartoon, it had not been tied to anything. <laughs> and so it resided somewhere in the intercoastal, and, uh, and we were yelling at Bert, don't go away, and he was, and he was saying, I can't help it, and... <coughs> And it was at this time, now I have to tell you, that Anella looked at the two of us in the water and the two of them in the boat and leapt from the boat out into the water. Because on life's journey, you must pick your companions carefully. And the boat sailed away. We're in the water, and there's pretty heavy waves, and we can't really see anything. You know how it is. You're kind of bobbing up and hoping to see something. We had collected a few things. We had collected the cooler. It was now empty, and our barbecued chicken dinner was feeding the fishes, as it were. We were in all of our clothes. I remember I was wearing tennis shoes and jeans, so there was quite a bit of water and weight holding me down. Uh, we had one life preserver that we were holding on to. No, a flotation cushion. We had one flotation cushion and the cooler, and we made kind of a little circle like this, right? And we talked. I'll admit it, we talked about how stupid Bert and Ernie were. I'm not proud of that, but, you know, we can't do right all the time. And so, uh, after a while, you know, we're, wait a minute, I see the boat. Oh, hey, I see the boat. I see the bottom of the boat. <laughs> well, then, what? What will happen now? Obviously, the boat is upside down. We didn't know it then, but the mast had broken. So, as it flipped upside down, Bert and Ernie had escaped. I know you're worried about them. And... Uh, and the boat was upside down some distance from us, and it was, uh, you know, getting to be a little gray day. We did not see any other boats coming. It was pretty, uh, pretty crazy, and we start saying things to each other like, well, if I had to go, I guess I'd rather go with you two. Where did that come from? Sometimes... You know, when things get really tough, you realize that your petty problems that you had with people are not nearly as important as you thought they were. Everybody's pretty good companionship when you're all alone. So we were, we were uh, bobbing, and it had been about an hour. Now, Nella and I, we come with our own warming apparatus, but Deborah is very thin, and so she began to get cold, very cold. But you cannot transfer heat in the water. 
give whatever love and affection and heat and warmth you can in this world because sometimes when it's most needed and when you most want to give it, you just cannot give it. Give it at every opportunity that you can. Things really got quite bleak. I didn't make any promises to God. I didn't say anything foolish like if you'll let me out of here, I will go to seminary. I thought... Yes, you're drowning me. I see now. <laughs> this is how I'm going. A watery grave. But after a while, really after despair, I would say, we saw a powerboat coming our way. We began to sing, swing low, sweet power boat. Well, it had found Bert and Ernie first and had them. And then Bert and Ernie had miraculously decided to come back and get us. And so the boat approached. Now it was a large power boat. And the ladder to climb up was in the back near the big engine, right? And we had been treading water now for well over an hour in our tennis shoes. And yes, you do hear the music. Da, 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 da. And so we thought this powerboat had come to save us, but in fact, to swim close to the ladder was to swim close to the engine. And we had almost no strength. And Sometimes that very thing that comes to save you is daunting and dangerous. But we made it. We made it up into that boat. And they brought us home and dropped us off. I'm sure that they all said it was pilot error on the way home. And when we got back to the cabin... Different people wanted to do different things, but what I wanted to do was take a shower, which I suppose is the classic example of what it means to be a water sign. I had always thought that the world was, that the Tao was saying that the world was made up of things. You know, yin and yang, you hear those terms, and they say yin is feminine and yang is masculine, and and the the... Earth is yin and the sky is yang. And, and I thought, not uh, merely because of the Tao, but also because of my Christian upbringing, that the world was divided into two things, good and evil, right and wrong, justice and injustice, righteousness and unrighteousness. And so it was... Uh, it was so ironic that what I most wanted after having escaped all of that water was to take a shower. And as I was taking the shower, I realized that what the Tao means to say is that all things are both yin and yang. So water is both yin, both comforting, both quiet, both beautiful and still, and yang, full of power, full of might, full of danger, able to, able to bring forth all things, able to destroy all things. 
And I thought to myself, if the world is not made up of the good and the bad, the righteous and the evil, if it is, in fact, made up of the balanced and the imbalanced, then I can at least be balanced. I cannot be all good. I cannot be righteous. I cannot be pure. But I can be balanced. When I find myself going in one direction, I can find that good kernel of light or that nurturing kernel of shadow and I can cling to it and bring myself back into balance. And that is all really I ever needed to be. I would not be a minister if I had not realized that. There are no perfect people in the ministry because there are no perfect people. And so I I got back to New Orleans and I immediately came back here to home and I came to my church and I said, I, I wish to be of service. I'm going to be a minister, but this time I really, I want to be working at it. I want to see what it is. And I became the administrator and did the newsletter and all of those things. And then finally I did go off to seminary. Uh, and I credited it all to the Tao. I encourage you as well. You will not get everything done, and you will not get it done perfectly. You will not always be the person that you desire to be, and yet you will always be a person with inherent worth and dignity. You may have done things in the past which you do not believe are forgivable, but in fact there is a kernel of forgiveness in all things. We rise in the morning. There is a new day. I encourage you that when you are on the dry land to be at comfort on the dry land, and when you fall into the middle of the maelstrom, be like the wise Taoist and flow with it. And know that that's a time for a person to be also. This is a very strenuous time of the year for some of us because we are seeking perfection. I would encourage you to seek balance. Oh, yeah. I would encourage you to seek balance. As the very wise Wendell Berry says in our hymnal, let tomorrow come tomorrow, not by your will is the house carried through the night. <laughs>